Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again all right welcome to the show everyone i am ben kissel that's Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. He's drinking a soda. Mm-hmm. Look at him there. Beautiful. <laughs> it, it, what kind of soda is this, Marcus? Jarritos. Oh, it's a fruit punch. Look at that. So that's healthy. See, si. That's nice. I had, a, uh, I had a tropical fruit salad the other day from, from uh, Habri? 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 What's the, what's the name of the, the, uh, the great candy company? Oh, uh, Haribo. Dude, Haribo. <laughs> Haribo? Just Haribo. Haribo. Oh, yeah. They make the best fruit. Uh, oranges? It's not fruit. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's gummies. Yes, orange gummies <laughs> and peach gummies. And then again, I had the I had the full fruit salad. Oh, it's so good. You just ate a bag of gummy gummies. No, because <laughs> the mind loses weight when it's think when it thinks it's eating healthy. I see. And I thought I was like, this is one of the better things I've ever had in my life. Yeah, your mind lost five pounds. It did. <laughs> I'm getting fatter though, <laughs> for some reason. Holy hell. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We love the listeners. You are, you are all amazing people, and you're engaged, and you're smart. And you know what, Marcus? What? Sometimes I'll speak too quickly, and I'll make a small flub. Uh-huh. I'll make an error. But I am a man who admits when he said something that was slightly wrong. I'm not going to sit here and Donald Trump all over town and backpedal, backtrack. I own it, and we move on. There was a fella. He was a listener. And he still is. Uh-huh. His name is Cass Otto. C-A-S-O-T-T-O. Sounds like a man you can trust. <laughs> he sent me a Facebook message, and it says, fact, fact check notice. Uh-oh. Fact check notice. Uh-oh. So I was like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm on blast. <laughs> I'm on, I knew I was on blast as soon as I saw the message. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is a fact check notice. I'm about to be annoyed. No, I don't get annoyed. He's very nice. I'll read the exact message. On a few podcasts, I noticed you have mentioned that John Adams defended British soldiers after the Revolutionary War, which I did. I could find no data to suggest this took place. Well, he did defend British soldiers. It was not after the war, but rather after the so-called Boston Massacre. Not a big deal. Just thought I would point it out. Wait. Thanks a lot, comrade. Have a good one. Wait, so-called Boston Massacre? Was he saying it was some sort of false flag event or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the so-called Boston Massacre. <laughs> I kind of like the so-called Boston Massacre. I mean, yeah, there wasn't a, not a whole lot of people died, but it's not so-called. Well, I mean, why? Now you're dissing all over Cass Auto. <laughs> you know what, Cass? Marcus has a fact-check notice. Fact-check notice. It was a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, thank you so much for pointing that out, and you are completely correct. Uh, John Adams defended the Brits. Uh, it was because of the Boston Massacre, not after the Revolutionary War. Good point. The Constitution was a big deal there. Obviously, he was one of the major reasons why we have the judicial system that we do, because uh, he defended Brits and thought that was important for America to be the land of the free. Home that of we're the so Home of the... Yeah. Uh, that we're so desperately still attempting to be. So... Uh, We went through the RNC platform. We've been through the DNC platform. So today we figured we'd go through the Libertarian Party platform. And I think in a future episode, we'll go through the Green Party platform because these are fun things. Why not? But before we do that, we're just doing, we'll do a a brief brush up on the polls. And by the way, don't believe any of them. It's impossible. I have a personal experience with the polls. When I was at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, I'm a panther. (sighs) 
<laughs> Watch out. The year, my senior year at UWM there, our basketball team went to the Sweet 16. They were very good. And the coach that uh, that was, you know, there at the time, he ended up going over to Coach Tennessee, and then he got arrested for paying players. Uh-huh. Great guy. What does this have to do with polls? Uh, well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> it has to do with polls because I studied political science at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Oh. And we would do polling. And basically, you call landlines. At this point, this was around 2004. Not a lot of cell phones out there, certainly not the smartphones we're accustomed to now. So you would call landlines and uh, and get polling data. Everyone's hungover. Half the college kids are currently drunk. Everyone's stoned. So the, the data that we would collect was flawed to say the least because you're there for an hour or two hours, three hours on a Saturday or a Sunday, and you just want to get the damn thing done with. So you, we can't trust the polls too much, and that's why you'll see the numbers vary greatly depending on who is doing the polling and depending on how drunk or uh, innately biased the people doing the polling are. Yeah. So let's go through some real clear politics in the general. This is NBC News and a Wall Street poll. Clinton is up 47% to 38%. Now, this is the exact same amount of time in a McClatt, McClatchy poll and a, uh, and a Maris poll. Clinton is up 15 points. In a Reuters poll, Clinton is only up, Reuters pl- poll, rather, Clinton is up 4%. And in an LA Times poll, Clinton is only up 1%. But we can see a trend. I would put on average, she's up probably 8%. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, the uh, ABC News Washington Post poll that just came out today said that she was up 8%. But that LA Times poll says just 1%. Uh, and and really, even when you add Johnson and Stein into the mix, Clinton's still up 8%. All right, exactly. That's what we talk about. They don't pull from one side or the other. It's not going to shift the it's not going to shift those numbers too greatly. And let's go to some swing states here right now just to get you guys caught up to date. Obviously, these swing states matter the most because our elections are so polarized and we can we tend to know where certain states are going to vote just because of their history and because of their current populations. But the swing states are really the states that matter the most. So let's just check out. Uh, let's look at Florida here really quick. In Florida, Trump versus Clinton. We've got Clinton up by six. All right. Uh, when, but then when you add in Johnson and Stein, she's up by four. In All Michigan, right. she's up by nine. In Pennsylvania, she's up by 11. In New Hampshire, she's up by 17. Uh, it's looking, I mean, and granted, it's August. Mm-hmm. It's still a long way to go till November. A lot could happen. A lot could happen, but, I mean, I can't really see what. You know what? This election might very well be one of my favorite songs of all time from a band called Fleetwood Mac. It might be a landslide. Could be a landslide. Why? Why? <laughs> Who, what's the name of the... Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Brokenhearted. Oh, yeah. Wonderful, though. Yeah. So that's where we're at right now. It looks like Clinton is currently pretty much locking up many of these swing states that, as we just discussed, are so desperately needed in order for her to secure the presidency of the United States, even states like Georgia surprisingly enough. Not a state that is necessarily um, aligned with the Democrats on many issues, specifically social issues. She tends to be, she is winning that state by, I believe, three or four percentage, uh, percentage points as well. So it looks like we are possibly headed into a direction uh, on par with that of Walter Mondale, although Trump doesn't have a home state to win. That is true. You know, so other than New York City, you would argue this is his home. Uh, New York City is his, is his hometown, and New York State, obviously, would be his home state. I don't know if New York State is going to go for Trump because, again, he lost, to Ma- he lost Manhattan to a fella named John Kasich. Yep. So even his hometown did not vote for him. So I'm not sure if Trump will be able to get this um, respect of the individuals of New York. No, I seriously doubt it. I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen here. We don't know if Trump is, I mean, because people are talking about, you know, Trump, uh, what if the Republicans, I actually uh, heard this conversation going last night where someone said, yeah, the Republicans, they're not going to let Trump go to the end. And what people don't realize Uh-oh. is that they have no say over the matter. Trump, if, if Trump were to not be the Republican candidate, mm-hmm. candidate come November, he would have to take himself out of the race at this point. The Republican bylaws say that they can't remove him. Yep. He has to take himself out. And I don't know if that's going to happen. What are they going to do? Although I will say, if you are Reince Priebus right now, recommend maybe eh, Donald Trump wants to dr- drive through Dallas. Maybe he wants to roll through, <laughs> what is it, Daly Plaza? Daly Plaza. Daly yeah. Plaza. Maybe he wants to have the top down. Maybe there's somebody <laughs> in a book depository somewhere. Yeah. Perhaps there's a Patsy 
that you might be able to find in beautiful Dallas. Boy, Trump got killed in the same place as Kennedy. That's huh. weird. Right on the X there. <laughs> Almost like the CIA trained somebody specifically to uh, be able to hit a target right there. Weird. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, Trump is actually alive and well. His hair deflected the bullet. <laughs> and then, of course, he would have a Ronald Reagan moment uh, after if you survive an, assassina- uh, an assassination attempt, that's the best thing that could ever happen oh, to everyone. your poll numbers. They go through the roof. Everyone Ronnie it. Reagan, when he first took office before, um, be- before what was it? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't H- Hinkley. Was it the Hinkley? Yeah, he was, was now getting out of jail, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Hinkley, um, who, by the way, the I, I'm actually astonished he is getting out of uh, jail of course he was found not guilty for yep. reasons of insanity which is i don't think that would happen any longer no if you shoot the president you're going away forever and of course he did end up killing brady at the end of the day the man was in a wheelchair and died because of complications of the bullet that was lodged in his body for the rest of his life and there are cases that happen in new york you hear about it regularly where someone will be charged with murder 20 years after the fact because they find that the bullet played a uh, a definite role in the ending of their life early yeah so they'll charge that person with murder either way hinkley's out there taking care of his 92 year old mother which is a fate worse than prison <laughs> so who knows he, he's he's gone but his uh, reagan's poll numbers were relatively low survives the gunshot Super quick recovery. Everyone's like, he's too old to be president. He's like, I'll show you too old. I just ate a bullet for lunch. (laughs) And then he came back in like, what, six weeks or something? It was amazing. Anyway, so that's the poll numbers uh, of where they stand now. And that is why, again, I'm not calling for an assassination on anybody because odds are they don't die and you just make them stronger. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's also very possible that, uh, you know, the Democrats could take the House and the Senate on the back of uh, Trump's fuck-ups. It's amazing how badly this whole thing is going for the Republicans. Yes. All right, let's get to the Libertarian Party platform. For those that want to follow along, you can just go to the, just Google Libertarian Party platform and you'll find it. This is the bit of the preamble. As libertarians, we seek a world of liberty, a world in which all individuals are sovereign over their own lives and no one is forced to sacrifice his or her values for the benefit of others. I love this. And, of course, this is one of those situations that occur with the libertarians regarding the... Let's talk about the Indiana cake case, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, The libertarian party oftentimes gets caught up in questions like, so if... um, uh, if I'm gay uh, and I want to get a cake made from a uh, from a bakery that doesn't like gay people, should that should that bakery be forced to give me the cake? Gary Johnson sort of uh, hedges. He kind of he toes the line on this. Well, he'll say they have to make you the cake, but they don't have to put frosting on it. Which, in other words, if you have the if you have the good, it must be sold. But I guess you don't have to go above and beyond. Um, the, you know, cr- with the product, they can just do a really shitty job. I, mean, I guess, and then you wouldn't want to go there anyway. Yeah, technically they could just take a dump in a pan and say, yeah, this is a cake. It is kind of a cake, though. <laughs> An Elbert Fish cake. <laughs> Elbert, by the way, Elbert Fish cake actually sounds like it might be a food. That's disgusting. It is. And thank you guys for listening to the Elbert Fish episodes on the last podcast on the left. Um, all right, we believe, this is going back to the preamble, we believe that respect for individual rights is the essential precondition for a free and prosperous world, that force and fraud must be banished from human relationships, and that <clears throat> and that only through freedom can peace and prosperity be realized. Consequently, we, de- we defend each other's rights to engage in any activity that is peaceful and honest and welcome, to the, di- and welcome the diversity that, that freedom brings. The world we seek to build is one where individuals are, are free to follow their own dreams in their own ways without interference, without interference from government or any authoritarian power. In the following pages, we will set forth the basic principles, things like that. These specific policies are not our goal, however. Our goal is nothing more nor less than a world set free in our lifetime. And it it is to this end that we take these stands. They want freedom. But let's see exactly what that looks like. Everyone says freedom. I mean, these are just buzzwords. These are code words. What does it actually mean? Because a lot of times, especially with the Libertarian Party, freedom means that your neighbor is going to be doing something that you completely disagree with, but you have to allow them to do it as long as they're not har- uh, harming anybody else. There's a great documentary out, out right now on Netflix called Welcome to Leith, and it's all about Leith. North Dakota, and it's regarding this fella Cobb, who is a white supremacist who moved into this town of 24 people. He wants to build a white supremacist nation, uh, specifically more more a town, rather, and he wants to do it in North Dakota, because that's where they love to be. <laughs> Them and the Yeti. White supremacists and the Yeti love the exact same kind of weather. Miserable, cold, isolated, but 
They have Netflix and chill. So yeah. that's kind of nice. Although in this case, this Cobb character actually didn't have plumbing or uh, or running water in this house. Utopia! You know, he's a white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, one of the strange things about these white supremacists. Oftentimes, they're the people who live worse than individuals in third world countries. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what's so supreme about them. There's absolutely nothing supreme. I mean, if you go to some sort of compound, any of these white supremacist compounds, I'm reading this great book right now called Oklahoma oh. City, What the Investigation Missed. Oh, my God. Uh, it does not sound like a utopia that these people are living in. No. It absolutely does not because, it's, you know, their white supremacist groups were without a doubt behind the Oklahoma City attacks. Sure. Uh, and it does not sound like they're living a great life. I mean, they're just it just seems like they all live in brown towns. Totally. I mean, it's Koresh. It's Jim Jones. It's every single single person that ever promises utopia on earth nothing is ever better when you go to those plantations that they put you on yeah it's really awful heaven is a place on earth <laughs> <laughs> utopia is much more like a trump tower by the way yeah than a uh, than a disgusting commune in north dakota a trump tower jesus christ no oh, it's not yeah it is oh i think running I'm- water for, I mean, if, I mean, I'm taking the name Trump off of it. Who cares? I'm just talking. Yeah, you got you got full service. You got beautiful beds. You got cable. Yeah, you got a bathtub shaped, shaped like a heart. <laughs> I don't like condos. They're not condos. <laughs> They're just neighborly. Come on. Uh, no. All right. Fine. Whatever your version of utopia is, Mr. Parks. Mm-hmm. Mine is a Trump Tower. Yeah. Mine's a good old cabin in the woods. Yeah, that's kind of fun too. <laughs> Either way, I do want something haunted. That's all that matters to me. As long as it's haunted, I'll be extremely happy. So they go on now. They talk about statement of principles. But let's just jump right in to the bullet points. The number one bullet point here for the Libertarian Party, personal liberty. Mm. For this, they say individuals should be free to make their choices for themselves and must accept responsibility for the consequences of the choices they make. Our support of an individual's right to make choices in life does not mean that we necessarily approve or disapprove of those choices. No individual group or government may initiate force against any other individual group or government. Basically, chill out, be cool, don't harm anybody else. Mm -hmm. All right, self-ownership. Individuals own their own body and have rights over them that other individuals, groups, and governments may not violate. Individuals have the freedom and responsibility to decide what they knowingly and voluntarily consume and what risks they accept to their own health, finances, safety, or life. And now we have a situation here, and this is where the Libertarian Party runs into trouble because we have addiction issues. We have mental health issues. Ed Larson, for example, uh, he hates Donald Trump because his mother lost so much money. And I believe he's talked about this on Roundtable, so I don't think I'm out of line for mentioning it. Um, but she's a perfect example of so many people living in this nation right now, middle class, who um, are taken advantage of by by predatory companies and institutions. And there's no denying that casinos mm. are one of the more predatory companies out there on the face of the planet. Casinos, they know that their clientele tends to be people who are, cannot afford to be there. Yeah. But they offer them free things and stuff like that, and and they get them to stay, and they get them to give their hard-earned money to these random slot machines that they know for a fact are not going to give them a payday. Maybe once every ten years, they might win five thousand bucks just to kind of hook hook the uh, you know get the hook in a little bit deeper into the fish's mouth, one barb at a time, and that barb comes in small increments of a hundred-dollar payouts every two weeks or something. So uh, you know he hates Donald Trump because his mother had uh, his mom had a terrible gambling addiction, and so you have a situation here where the Libertarian Party does run into trouble because we have people who have seen relatives, maybe themselves, have gone through a situation of addiction or of being uh, preyed on by a huge corporation that's just lying to them through their corporate disgusting weird teeth, and those people are in some in many people's minds victims, despite the fact they are making their own personal decisions and they have to deal with their own uh, with the ramifications of their own actions. But a lot of people believe the government should be in in there should be government um, rules in place to stop and try to curb corporations from just having free reign over convincing people to come into their establishment, even though they know that people going into their establishment can't necessarily afford it. I mean, how do I that is one thing that I kind of worry about with libertarians. 
means is the regulation in this country is needed. Uh, like we just, yeah. I just don't trust uh, people. I, I just don't trust people in general, not just Americans. Yeah. It's not. Just, I mean, I'm not coming in and saying that Americans are uh, special in our ability to fuck each other over and in our ability uh, to just be to- terrible, horrible, opportunistic creatures. We are. Mm-hmm. Er- humans are. Uh, and that's one of the things that troubles me about libertarians is, is that well, there's no once you take away any sort of safety net, uh, then that allows the monsters to pop right in there. But then, of course, the problem is with your government bulk, and then you have a whole bunch of companies that are making money off of these people, um, you know, off of the poverty of the, of, of the people. I mean, you know, the, the poverty in, uh, business is a multi-billion-dollar industry, you know, mm-hmm. and and so it, it really does. It is a confusing thing. I mean, I think yeah. at the end of the day that. I wish we could just live in a world where everyone had a relatively similar intelligence level um, and there weren't people that were easily manipulated. But yeah. at the end of the day, there just there are. Yeah, there are. They, yeah, there are just people out there that are easily manipulated. And, you know, and it could just be and that sometimes it's not because those people are, are dumb or anything like that. It's just a lot of times uh, it's just people with very little information. And like you said in the last episode, Mr. Marcus Parks, uh, right. when it comes to people who are in dire straits, they make very rash decisions and they you know they're they're going for the grand slam yeah put it immediately. all immediately yeah 300,000 on black just wanting to try to get that whole bucket and trying trying to get that big payoff but you know there's always somebody out there waiting to just take that money right all right so that is where you know it falls into a little bit of a gray area but i tend to agree overall people make their own decisions and uh, they have to live with those consequences but i completely see uh, the the argument uh, for some government intervention in order to secure um, the uh, the well-being of people who might not have the most information. All right, uh, privacy. This is something the libertarians pride themselves on. Libertarians advocate individual privacy and government transparency. We are committed to ending government's practice of spying on everyone. We support the rights reorganized by the Fourth Amendment to be secure in our persons, homes, property, and communications. Protection from unreasonable search and seizure should include records held by third parties, such as email, medical, and library records. And thank God, because I still have a Playboy that I never <laughs> I never returned to my public library. Wait, why did you why did your public library have Playboys? They had a whole bunch of Playboys. That's weird. Yeah, it was in the back. <laughs> and they were they were in boxes. The Stevens Point Public Library, I don't know if it's still there. I'm not sure if there's a library still in the nation. But uh yes, I went there and I would we would look at the Playboys on a regular basis. It was extremely exciting stuff, but the problem is you can't exactly do what you want to do when you look at a Playboy in a library because then you've immediately gone from a 13-year-old curious boy to a 45-year-old homeless man in Seattle. <laughs> you cannot do those things in a library. No. So, um, yes, they're very pro, uh, you know, they're, they're pro-privacy. Okay, personal relationships, personal relationships, sexual orientation, preference, gender, or gender identity should have no impact on the government's treatment of individuals such as in current marriage, child custody, adoption, immigration, or military service laws. Government does not have the authority to define, license, or restrict personal relationships. Consenting adults should be free to choose their own sexual practices and personal relationships. This is an interesting thing because another area where the Libertarian Party might get into some trouble. What they're saying here, this is actually about hate crime legislation in a lot of ways. We live in a nation of classes, and there are certain classes in this country that were once perceived to be extremely, um, there was a hostile forces against them. So you have a situation with hate crime legislation that was put in place that creates a multi-tiered uh, level it, it creates a tier of uh, of significance of life, right? So you have hate crime legislation such as anti-gay crime, race, all of these things. The Libertarian Party would be against that kind of legislation, which is a difficult thing to explain. But I do understand what they're saying because once you start dividing people by these sorts of categories, you're seeing what we have currently in this nation, which is more division than ever before. Because I understand, uh, you know, that people need to be protected, but to to, to give extra long prison sentences, to have a difference of sentencing and a different a law that applies to somebody because of their sexual orientation, race, or whatever it might be, weight, God knows, I think there, it, it is a very slippery slope. So the Libertarian Party, what this principle is actually saying is that they would be against hate crime legislation because it, they, it, they believe it would divide, uh, they believe it divides and we cannot, the government should have no say, should have nothing to do with anything regarding your orientation, your race, it should, everything should be blanket and everything should be the exact same for everyone. 
And that is one issue I want to get a little bit off base when it comes to this Milo Yanniapolis. What's his name? Milo Yanniapolis? I guess. He's an alt-right. He's a neo-Nazi. Yana- he's from y- Yanopolis. Yanopolis. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's kicked off of Twitter, okay, because he's a bigot. He's a terrible human being. He's an anti-intellectual, uh, masquerading as an intellectual. He says inflammatory things for no good reason, and then he gets upset or he pretends like he is some massive victim being crucified like Christ because people come after him when he says things that are that he knows are going to inflame and aggravate uh, people. So what we have him, what we have with him is exactly what I'm talking about here when we have a when I talk about protected classes. And I've been talking to a lot of these people who see Milo as a free as a as a uh, free speech fighter. He's on the front lines like Han Solo. You know, he is he's out there. He's he's battling the Death Star when in reality he is cloaked in safety. And that safety is he's an openly gay person from the UK, completely secured by laws you cannot say anything you you cannot do anything uh, against him it is technically a much larger uh, offense because of his orientation he's used that cloak of safety to do extremely nefarious things and people on the right are so desperate for that one gay friend yeah so they don't so they can say i'm not homophobic i'm not a bigot we got milo and he's the worst one of all He's a terrible human being, and because he has been protected for so long from this, uh, bec- from these uh, pieces of legislation that defend him simply because he wants to have sex with a dude, uh, that's why he's been able to get away with so much, so much of what he's been able to get away with. And I think it's nefarious and it's awful. And uh, I think there are real issues when it comes to laws again, like we just discussed, that give um, people certain powers that other people do not have. If you get shot in the street, Marcus, by some random dude, it's nothing. You're a straight white dude. There is nothing. But if you're a gay guy, uh, next thing you know, the man might get an extra five, seven, ten years onto his sentence because now it's a hate crime. Obviously, there has to be some proof of intent. Well, unless Um, it was a black guy that hates white people. And he would have to shout it very, very loudly. (laughs) And even then, there's a lot of people who don't believe that black people can be racist. Only white people can be racist. And, of course, uh, that is a complete and utter misconception. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving on here, we got a, we have abortion. Uh, this is always a fun topic. Yeah. No one gets upset about this topic. <laughs> Everyone is just like abortion. Yeah, yeah we let's yeah. just you they know. say they say leave it to the person. Leave it to the individual. That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah, we believe the government should be kept out of the matter, leaving the question to each person for their conscience, conscientious, conscientious, conscientious. Fuck. Tough word. Conscientious. Right? Conscientious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, consideration. conscientious consideration all right yeah so that's just up to the person government should have no say in it again a lot of people believe that the federal government should make laws uh either banning abortion completely or legalizing abortion completely among all 50 states this is another thing where the libertarian party gets in trouble because people who are extremely pro-life or people who are extremely pro-choice argue that they're they should uh the federal government should weigh in so we have equal rights amongst uh, amongst all the states all right. Parental parental rights. Parents or other guardians have the right to raise their children according to their own standards and beliefs. This statement shall not be construed to condone child abuse or neglect. But who deci- decides what child abuse or neglect is? That's another mm. like kind of sticky li- libertarian thing where they can say it's like it does not. Uh, we but some people uh, would say that that family who. Uh, Name their child Adolf Hitler. Sure. Some people would say that would be child abuse or that that right there is a child abuse. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of against them taking that kid away if it was solely based on the fact that they named him Adolf Hitler. He'll probably grow up and try to get a girl to like him and he'll just change his name or, uh, you know, just go with, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get called Schittler Hitler <laughs> and everyone's going to make fun of him for it. And then he'll just change his name the exact same way that my older brother changed his name from Bart because they called him Bart the Fart. Yeah. Changed it to Eric. So this guy's just going to be Eric. Yeah, but he still does on the first day of class and, you know, when they're going through the yeah. roll call, they're still going to say Adolf. Yeah. <laughs> That's a strange one. And first, too. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the first name read. If you're a teacher, you're like, what kind of classroom did I just walk into? Adolf. I'm a substitute teacher. It's my second day at this school. Adolf Hitler? <laughs> are you are you Hitler? Hitler. 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 
Uh, crime and justice. And we'll, we'll breeze through a few more of these, but let's just do crime and justice. Yeah, what they say in criminal justice is that the prescribed role of government is to protect the rights of every individual, including the right to life, liberty, and property. Criminal laws should be limited to their application to violations of the rights of others through force or fraud or to deliberate actions that place others involuntarily at significant risk or harm. Therefore, we favor the repeal of all laws creating, quote-unquote, crimes huh. without victims such as the use of drugs or such as the use of drugs for medicinal or recreational purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's basically it. And then, of course, again, in this situation, what is a victim of squir- uh, crime? You know, if, if a uh, father uh, is addicted to heroin and he's not taking care of his children, are they not victims? Yeah. And this is a major issue. Um, but at the at the same time, I, I agree with it on its on its face. Uh, it sounds like a great idea, but this is where, again, the Libertarian Party falls into a little bit of a gray area. You know, really, at this point... I'm saying just put Gary Johnson in there and let him figure it out as he goes along. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, All right. The death penalty. I love this one. I can actually read this one. (laughs) We oppose the administration of the death penalty by the state. Yeah. That's it. Simple. I love it. And I do, too. I've I've said that ever since I was a young child, Marcus. My father asked me. I was lying on my tummy, and I was watching Saved by the Bell, and Zach was doing something. I said, he should be nicer to Lisa Turtle. He's got to be nicer to Lisa. Uh And really, I mean, Screech deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I never cared about Screech. Every time they made fun of Screech, I'm like, Screech, you, yeah, you need that. Yeah. You're, you're going to grow up and make a porno one day. Ugh. What even his dick? It was a stunt dick. Really? Yeah. They used a stunt dick? Stunt dick. No way. Stunt dick. Isn't that something? It was a stunt dick. Well, I guess that's actually better. I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> But I was lying on my stomach watching Saved by the Bell, and my father asked me if I approved of the death penalty, and I must have been 11 years old, and I said no, and I stand by it. Why did he ask you? So he just thought, your father, yeah, your your relationship with your father gets more bizarre the more I hear about it. You know, it was a strange time to be alive. (laughs) No, my parents... The strangest thing with my parents, I mean, they threw me right into the most important political discussions of our time when I was five years old. Yeah. You know, was at, at a, I was at an abortion rally when I was six. I mean, it was way intense. I was uh, surrounded by photos of dead babies my entire life. My father was completely confused on why I like horror movies. He still is confused on why I love horror movies. And I'm like, Dad, you showed me mutilated babies when I was one. Yeah. What do you, what do you think I'm going to feel? I'm so desensitized to what a mutilated child looks like. I can watch anything. <laughs> and it, it gets, that's the sad irony of what they did. They're like, look how terrible it is. But by the time I'm nine years old, I'm already like a haggard Vietnam vet. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen the horrors of war. All yeah. of my friends are dead. Yeah, it, it's completely and totally normalized. Completely normalized. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I mean, but it is brutal. Yeah, it's it is. a disgusting thing. Marcus, you want to read the self-defense? Yeah, it says the only legitimate use of force is in defense of individual rights, life, liberty, and justly acquired property against aggression. This right it this right inheres in the individual who may agree to be aided by any other individual or group we affirm the individual right recognized by the second amendment to keep and bear arms and oppose the prosecution of individuals for exercising their rights of self-defense private property owners should be free to establish their own conditions regarding the presence of personal defense weapons on their own property we oppose all laws at any level of government restricting registering or monitoring the ownership manufacture or transfer of firearms or ammunition this loses me this loses you there's always going to be something that loses a person yeah this loses me pretty hard well this would pretty much just be exactly what the laws are now right i mean more more guns have been sold under president obama than i believe any president combined there was what was it 20 million guns or what was the in july alone marcus we talked about this on a, on a few episodes ago it was there was an astonishing amount of guns yeah, that were it, sold um and so you know, it is pretty much the status quo. They will not be doing anything to infringe on your Second Amendment rights to carry a semi-assault rifle. Because you remember when George Washington said that was fine? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, one day I hope that we can kill an entire gay nightclub. <laughs> Very oh, quickly. Oh, could we get to the children before that? Yes. Possibly 21? Tw- yeah. Well, Let's you know, make it 22. I will say, this whole gun argument is driving me slightly insane on all sides. We got a friend, and he's a good guy. He does theater, and I was on the subway with Henry's Dabrowski today from the last podcast on the left. You know him. You love him. And we were talking about a friend of ours who is a theater guy, and he said that he is no longer going to movies with gun violence. So I was like, 
Suicide Squad was actually kind of fun. It's a ridiculously bad movie. Don't even give me any. If you have like that much of emotion towards the movie Suicide Squad, other than walking out and be like, that was a fun, dumb movie, I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm not wasting any time being angry with how you know, ridiculous uh, that film was. And Harley Quinn's ass alone makes it worthy of seeing. Holy hell, I can't even get down that road. This oh. isn't sex and other human activities. It is not. But a friend of ours said he's not watching any more movies with gun violence, so he won't be seeing Suicide Squad. I guess he won't be seeing the Jason Bourne movies. And I just don't even understand what the heck. That's where gun violence belongs. Wait, in the theaters or just he, he in general? He won't be watching the movie. He's boycotting gun violence movies. So what? So if he's watching a movie and the, like someone pulls out a gun, is he going to tut? He's turning he it off. Tut, tut, and walk out the fucking door? Yes, because gun movies about movies with guns kill people. Everybody knows it. Look at Jason Lee. No, they don't. I know. They absolutely do not. Was it, was it Jason Lee, Bru- uh, Bruce Lee's kid that got... Uh, uh, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. Look yeah, at yeah. what happened to Brandon Look, Lee. Yeah, that's about the only time that... Yes. The, yeah. So I don't understand that whatsoever. I'm not going to see movies with gun violence because somehow that's propagating a world where gun violence has become so normalized. The movies, it's, that's where it belongs. It yeah. belongs in the art. That is why we have simulated warfare with, with sports. We no longer have a war every single weekend. It used to just be like every Sunday at noon, we go kill Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're like, let's have the Broncos fight the Cowboys. That'll yeah. be kind of fun. Uh, and, of course, back in the day, the Cowboys used to ride Broncos, <laughs> which would not be a very exciting defensive plan for the Cowboys to have. Just be like, we're going to jump on the Broncos back. Yeah. We ride it to the end zone. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, so the whole gun debate is, uh, is, is kind of gone off the rails a little bit. But I understand uh, his his point is we've we've glorified guns for too long. I just that's where it belongs. It belongs in yes. theater and it belongs on screen. It belongs in theater. It belongs in video games. It belongs in places where we can let loose some of those uh, let loose some of those feelings that we have. Totally. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's cathartic. It's super fun it's to watch a bunch cathartic. of violence on screen. Then you go home and you cuddle with your beautiful girlfriend or boyfriend or dog. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but you get the bug out. That's yeah. the whole damn point. All right, number uh, number two here. They have economic liberty, and these are some of the issues. Um, you know, the economics are when when uh, Gary Johnson talks about how he agrees with seventy five percent of Bernie Sanders, and uh, and that is all the social issues and things like that. It's this twenty five percent that Gary Johnson and Bernie Sanders uh, they differ on. I was just speaking with a very successful surrogate for Bernie Sanders, and they are desperately trying to find a place to go. You know the the, the constituents that uh, the Bernie the, the the people that Bernie got activated uh, to vote they're looking for another option and Hillary is giving them nothing. She just had a massive uh, fundraiser with the biggest oil tycoons in the world. She's doing zero to court the Bernie Sanders supporters. Mm-hmm. Jill Stein is also sort of gone off the rails a little bit. She's such a political novice. And so the the person that I was speaking with, which was very, uh, she was extremely high up in the Bernie campaign, Jill Stein just wasn't uh, wasn't up to par. She doesn't have the political know-how. So, they were, uh, so she reached out to me regarding Gary and to see if there was enough overlap to get some Bernie Sanders supporters over to Gary's team. And I told her, you know, exactly what I just said, 75% uh, social issues. I think they're t- in complete agreement on, you know, the, the, the what is it, the, uh, what is it, the Zen grind, diagram? Ben. Ben, with a V, huh? Mm-hmm. That's, two, I like Zen diagram better. And two N's. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> they're spelling it wrong. <laughs> The Venn diagram, it, it is com- it definitely comes together on social issues. Economics, however, are a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so let's just go through a little bit, Marcus. Do you want to take the lead on this? Yeah, sure. Uh, and just thumb through a little bit. We don't have to go into such great detail as we did the first one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, as far as uh, property and contract, it says that property rights is fundamental to maintaining a free and prosperous society. It follows that the freedom to contract, to obtain, retain, profit from, manage, or dispose of one's property must also be Upheld. Of course, this is just, you know, them saying, I mean, with economic freedom, it, a lot of it can be brought down to just whatever you have, you can do with. Like, right. whatever you have, you can do whatever you want with it, uh, with the government not being involved in it whatsoever. And free markets, free economies, free everything. Right. And a lot of people have an issue with the free market because uh, the, the free market does naturally have casualties. Mm-hmm. And that's why the government has been put in place to theoretically have, you know, the... Um, 
to have the safety net, uh, but of course, ironically enough, sometimes that safety net beca- can become a smothering, have a smothering effect in itself. Like we've talked about on previous episodes, the safety net, uh, for example, is, is welfare. Let's say you make $20,000 a year, you get a series of benefits. You might get some uh, you know, free health care, free education, maybe school lunch programs. Um, multiple other things, but you make $2,100, you get a $100 raise, your life hasn't changed whatsoever, but every single one of your programs are now cut, and you're completely screwed. So the sad, unintended consequence of a lot of these safety nets is it keeps people down as opposed to elevating them up. But these are questions we have to ask as a nation. Um, Is that something now, again, as we've talked about previous episodes as well, as as the world becomes more automated, um, is that something that will just be recognized as the status quo? Is the new middle class simply going to be government funded? Yeah. And they do that in many nations that are much smaller than ours, Sweden, Norway, places like that. I mean, the, these nations are the size of Wisconsin or smaller, and they're able to get away with it because I think it's a relatively homogenous society. People tend to be of the same religious ilk and uh, of the same of the same mindset. This nation is so large and so diverse. We'll see uh, if that is a practical way. In my personal opinion, I, I think it's um, I think it's kind of uh, uh, sad and nefarious, and it leads to a guaranteed voting block, but it doesn't lead to uh, happiness or a freedom. Absolutely you know, if, you, if you're getting all your if you're getting all your goods from the government, they can tell you a lot about what to do, such as mandatory drug testing, which Republicans are constantly trying to push through for people who are taking welfare, which is the I mean, dumbest thing. It's if you if you mandatory drug tested Wall Street, everyone would be out of a job. Yeah, and most everyone is hopped up like Dennis Hopper <laughs> in the movie Blue Velvet. Yeah, and most people uh, like the uh, drug testing uh, welfare recipients that they've done so far, they found so few people that are actually that actually tested positive for drugs it's insane how much money they spend on this Republicans, it's a huge waste of they, cash they talk about oh. you know like the fiscally conservative thing yeah. it is one of the least fiscally conservative programs that they have and they all want it so bad absolutely and there is no denying that these are there are there are 29 million white people right now in poverty in this nation. It's the largest group of people who are impoverished in this nation. We do not hear about it because the right demonizes not the white poor. They demonize the minority poor. And the left doesn't sympathize with the white poor. They sympathize with the minority poor. So there is a huge group of people in this nation right now, white people who are completely disenfranchised. Trump has, uh, Trump has um, engaged a few of them. Bernie certainly engaged many of them. Um, and they are uh, they are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and, and desperately trying to, uh, to, you know, to find their way out of poverty. And no one is caring about them because they're not politicized. You know, the, the left want the left needs to look as if they care about uh, minorities and the right needs white people to demonize minorities. And both sides are leaving a huge group of 29 million people in the middle that are really looking for an answer out of poverty. And no one in this government is caring about them one iota. All right, so let's go now. Let's move on. Marcus, can you read the environment? Because the environment is an issue. This is where Gary Johnson and Mr. Bill Weld, he might lose a few Gary or might might lose a few Burnsters. Yeah. Um, because he wants to shut down certain programs that they like. Yeah, he says competitive free markets and property rights stimulate the technological and innovations and behavioral changes required to protect our environment and ecosystems. Private landowners and conservation groups have a vested interest in maintaining natural resources. Ab- that absolutely not. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second. But governments are unaccountable for damage done to our environment and have a terrible track record when it comes to environmental protection. Yep. Protecting the environment requires a clear definition and enforcement of individual rights and responsibilities regarding resources like land, water, air, and wildlife, where damages can be proven and quantified in a court of law. Restitution to the injured parties must be required. Uh, what he says about private landowners having a vested interest in maintaining natural resources... Absolutely not. There are so many people. There's so many ways to go through and strip an entire uh, plot of land of all of its natural resources, destroying it completely, and then just leaving it behind. 
Well, you know, my girlfriend is from Wyoming, and in, in Wyoming, fracking is a massive business, and fracking has given them a lot of jobs, and a lot of families are, su- are surviving because of the fracking industry. So to your point, it might not be necessarily the environment's greater good, but it might be in the greater good of the of the people that live in that community. So they love fracking yeah. uh, because it's, it's feeding their family, and they're not really thinking about this abstract notion of Mother Earth or what the long-term side effects might be to something like fracking when it comes to drainage in the river systems that are obviously end up in the ocean and things like that. They're thinking short term and, and rightfully so because we got to sleep, we got to eat, and we got to uh, you know go to the bathroom uh, every single day, <laughs> every day. We have we have we have short term needs. Yeah, and we, we uh, do it, have short term needs, but we are definitely fucking the future in the ass with a lot of this stuff. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> the future is bending over, loving it. I mean, right now we just went through. Uh, we are at. The allocated amount of resources that humanity can have in the for the Earth for the Earth to be sustainable, um, we have already gone through that amount of resources in August. But however, oh, yeah. how I like, mean, and it's five days. It's I think five days shorter than it was last year. It's like we're going through our resources faster and faster and faster, uh, and it is not going to last too much longer. Nope, <laughs> and it's because of the it's and you know I, of course man and but that's that's the other thing is like what do you say what do you say well, what do you say to those people like you said like what do you say to those yeah. people uh, that are needing to feed their families now what do you say to you them? don't tell them what Hillary Clinton told the coal miners in West Virginia. I'll tell you that. No, you don't, you, no, you don't you tell don't. them you're going to put them out of business. No, you don't. But I guess in, you know, 30 years from now, you're going to be throwing them in a life jacket, you know, when everything melts and they're all fucking drowning. Who doesn't want to live in a snow globe? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be like, okay, well, we'll see how it shakes out. Maybe we'll figure something out. But all right, take it. And well, we'll worry. I mean, it's just kicking the can down the road. Uh, and the, the, the can's. There's going to be a can reckoning one day, Ben. There's going to be a can reckoning? A reckoning can. Mm, I hope it's green beans. <laughs> I love a good can of green beans. Um, all right, let's jump to education because this is another area that Bernie Sanders supporters might differ with Gary Johnson. Of course, when Gary Johnson was the governor of New Mexico, he spent a lot of money on education in his first term, and then he realized that it wasn't really working, and then he uh, cut back a bit in his second term, and education did fairly well uh, for New Mexico. And we can go in. I'm, I'm going to possibly read something at the end of the uh, at the end of the show, uh, you know, criticizing uh, Mr. Johnson a little bit. But let's go into the education. Yeah, he said uh, education is best provided by the free market, achieving greater quality, right. accountability, and efficiency with more diversity of choice, and that parents should be able to determine exactly what kind of education their children uh, are getting. Right. So basically, this is bringing education back to the states. States understand what the people in their in their communities need to learn in order to thrive, right? I mean, what you have to know in Wisconsin in order to be a successful person is different than what you have to know in, in New York City, right? I mean, these are these are different industries. They're, they're completely different planets for all intents and purposes. And I mean, other than, you know, you know, science and, and math and, and history and things like that. But there are unique things for each country, for each state in this country that are specific to them that, you know, for example, in, in Colorado, if I was uh, if I was to be in the legislator, I would say we need to have students be able to understand what different strains of weed smell like. <laughs> so when they open up their weed dispensary, they're going to be top notch, the best weed dispensary in town. Yeah. In Wisconsin, we have to learn a little bit more about cattle or random cheese odors or, you know, what what the best beer is and, and what mood it fits. So, uh, you know, I, so and, and of course, this is also completely getting away uh, from and dismantling Common Core, which is one of the worst things that has ever happened to the education system in this nation. Students don't learn through bubble tests. They learn through living. Yeah. Uh, but Classic. Uh, I like it. Classic uh, Kissel. Yeah, Classic Kissel. Uh, but what about that? Like, if he's saying, so he's saying that if you say, for example, if someone's too poor to provide their children for an education, they just don't get one? No, he's talking about school choice, which is something that I am for. Now, basically... So the argument for school choice is that it takes uh, students who excel out of certain um, public schools, puts them into a government-funded school, but it's more of a – it's the academy for mutants. It's your special school. You oh, know? like it's, magnet school. It's like a magnet school, exactly. Yeah. Now, the argument – so I am for them because I do believe that kids – 
at the end of the day, if you are smart, but if 95% of the people in your class are dragging you down, kids are extremely impressionable. Yeah. And it would take a, it would take almost a godlike mind. You would have to be like 11 from Stranger Things mm. to be strong enough to resist the temptations of your peers who are trying to bring you into a less educated direction. So that's why I'm for, just from a human level, I am for, and again, I would have never been in a charter school. I'm, I would have been in the public school my entire life. There was no way people were like, we want that big, long, weird one uh, who was like constantly swearing and drawing random pictures of penises on his desk. We want that kid. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why I am for them, because then you put the kids into a place where learning is a little bit more socially acceptable. But the argument against them is, of course, then you have this, the, the grade point averages of the public schools that have now been like, like a curtain way that now you've taken off the way. Um, or whatever, or the curd. I don't really know. What do you take off, the curd or the whey? I don't know. You're the cheese dude. I'm not the cheese guy. I just ate a lot of it. <laughs> I don't know anything about how to make the damn thing. I know you jerk off a cow or something, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> But the problem against it is that then you have a lower GPA on average in those schools that you've then taken away the smarter kids from. So then, of course, they lose federal funding, and uh, and it sort of creates a uh, a status quo in those schools that they won't that they're not able to get out of because you've taken away their top achievers, put them into a different institution where they can achieve. But then you have your uh, lesser um, people who have less interest in education, formal education, uh, all in one place as well. So that's the argument for and the argument against. Well, I've never really figured out. Why we give less money to the bad schools? Money, we pay more money per student than any country on the face of the planet, and we are failing miserably. Yeah, I'll get all of this money gets siphoned through different bureaucracies over and over and over again. By the time it actually gets to the kid, there's nothing left. Yeah, you know, I mean, at this point, uh, Gary Johnson talks about it regularly. If they give 13 cent, you know, you you give a buck to the federal government to then take care of your education. By the time you get that dollar back, you're getting, you know, 10 cents. You know, it doesn't even, like, it doesn't equate, uh, to, it, it doesn't make any rational sense. After it goes through all the bureaucracy, after all, literally money laundering, for all intents and purposes, the money is just, it's just not being spent right. So and it, people are getting rich off of it. So what, I guess what, um these libertarians are saying is that pretty much if we stop taking the tax, if we stop taking the income of uh, our citizens through taxes, then they'll have more money to let the free market sort itself out. I believe that's it. Ah, okay. Now I think I'm starting to get this whole libertarian thing. Um, I mean, it, it's confusing again because you're going to have people who are just like they're they're cutting education, cutting the Department of Education. When I interviewed Gary, so that was even a point for me. I'm like, you want to cut the Department of Education? But if you hear what he's actually saying, he's discussing the federal government should not be in charge of education of states, and it's much better to have a uh, a smaller group of people in charge of uh, you know of of the public school system because they know what their constituents need, they know what their students need, and theoretically they're going to be more um, aware and uh, and intelligent when when uh, you know um, spreading around the funds. Mm -hmm. So. Um, when allocating funds, they know what the schools need. Schools need a, a playground. Some schools need a new gym. Some schools need a new science lab. But it, with with the federal funding, I mean, it's just such a broad uh, base of, of blanket cash. I mean, it goes, and then just a bunch of people take all the da damn money. All right, healthcare, Marcus. Let's do this. Healthcare. We favor a free market healthcare system. We recognize the freedom of individuals to determine the lever level of health insurance they want, if any, the level of healthcare they want, the care providers they want, the medicines and treatments they will use in all other aspects of their medical care, including end-of-life decisions. People should be free to purchase health insurance across uh, state lines. And I think they are also for euthanasia. Yeah, I mean, the end-of-life decisions. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, that's not going to work. Hey, man, Dr. Kevorkian started the whole damn thing. He's no. a martyr for the cause. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. End of life decisions, I'm totally down for the suicide machine. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, but, huh. you know, allowing huh. the health care industry, I mean, we've allowed the health care industry to be a free market enterprise, and they fucked it up royally. I mean, they, yeah. they, really, did, they really did. You can't trust, you just can't trust them. I know. I mean, what do they say? What is it? A hundred thousand people or so a year are dying because of these prescription drug overdoses. I put something online on Twitter recently about how no, uh, neither of the two major parties, the Democrats or the Republicans, are talking about uh, are talking about big pharma and how dangerous it, the, the drugs are and how overprescribed we are as a nation. And of course, there's always going to be people such as yourself, Marcus, and I've taken prescription drugs and they've helped me as well. Who are like I've benefited greatly from them, and I do believe there are some great benefits. Let's not say no to science no uh this is very there's a lot of tried and and, and tested uh and true drugs out there that can benefit somebody with schizophrenia or whatever it was social anxiety disorder 
But giving OxyContin, allowing that OxyContin to be prescribed to a 12-year-old is simply wrong. And it is guaranteeing a future drug crisis. And we're going through that drug crisis right now. Mike Pence, the vice presidential, uh, the vice presidential uh, nominee with Donald Trump in Indiana. They had to approve, and we've talked about this before, they had to approve of a drug needle program because it doesn't stop with uh, the heroin addiction. What's, an, what's the side effect of heroin addiction? AIDS, because you're using needles. Now, all of a sudden, you're sharing needles. So they have a needle share program in one of the most conservative states in the country on par with San Francisco. Yeah, and it's not just uh, the uh, prescription drugs out there. It's also the cost of all of this stuff. I mean, it's yeah. the, uh, the pills, the prescription drugs that I have, the, the pills that I have to take to survive. Uh, if I did not have health insurance, they would be um, seven hundred dollars a month. Right, and of course, uh, that, but with uh, health insurance, it's six bucks a month. And with that pill, that pill that Marcus is talking about, Viagra, <laughs> isn't that nice? But I'm more of a Cialis guy, oh. Pepsi or Coke. Uh- <laughs> You know, what do you want? Yeah. I wonder if there are people who are like, I'm a Viagra guy. I like Seattle. There Fuck have you. to be, yeah. There has to be. Yeah, I mean, at retirement homes, you see a whole bunch of old men having <laughs> some sort of fucking horrible argument about this. Yeah, you're pro Cialis, I'm pro Viagra. You take your pill in an hour, let's meet right back here. See who's harder. <laughs> who would win? Um, all right, we only got one more thing here. The one, the nice thing about the libertarian platform, it's pretty short. Uh, securing liberty. Yeah, national defense. We support the maintenance of a sufficient military to defend the United States against aggression. The United States should both avoid entangling alliances and abandon its attempts to act as policemen for the world. We oppose we oppose any form of compulsory national service. So they do not want the draft. I like that. I like that too. I'm fine with that. Although the, uh, you know, what's interesting? My uh, my girlfriend's uh, fiance, my my girlfriend's brother's fiance. Mm-hmm. Her brother's in the military, and uh, he's an eye doctor, and he signed up for two years. They've had him for two extra years. They just they don't have to let you out. Yeah. Whenever they want to let you go, they let you go. But it's extremely weird and strange with the volunteer military. When you sign that paper, you give up all of your constitutional rights. Don't you think that that's wrong? Yeah. I mean, if you join the military, shouldn't you have extra constitutional rights? Shouldn't there be an amendment that's like, you also get to pee in public? <laughs> like, you can kind of do whatever you want. You get to go five miles over the speed limit. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't you get something extra? As opposed, And, you know, the irony is they, they, they promise you certain things, and they don't even have to follow through with that. This person, uh, he was promised four years of uh, education. They only gave him two. Damn. They were just like, we're cutting it. And, the, and you have no legal rights under the law. You give up all your constitutional rights. So I hope uh, we, we we have to transform our military. I like that we don't have to, uh, I, like, I enjoy that we don't have a draft, but I do think we need to start treating the people who volunteer with a little bit more respect uh, than we currently do. And we just throw them out. And then as soon as they get back here, I was talking to this uh, to this great guy. His name is um, Terry Shepard. He was on the, uh, on the um, Greg Gutfeld show. And and uh, he, you know, lost multiple people. He was a Green Beret. He's a great guy. He hosts a few shows on um, on the Travel Channel. I mean, a total raging lunatic, as you can imagine. I mean, these guys are adrenaline adrenaline drunk uh, uh, junkies. I mean, they're they're more adre- uh, adrenaline junkies than a NASCAR driver or anybody else who just jumps out of an airplane. And I say that because he would talk about jumping out of an airplane, and he's like, we don't even think of that as an activity. That's just the vehicle to get to a gunfight. Like everybody else jumps out of an airplane. They're like, I did that. I can't believe that was crazy. He's like, no, man, we're just getting there. Yeah. That's just that's our bus ride. Yeah, it's driving down the road. That's it. You know, and then he's like, we're going to a gunfight. That's where you get amped. I'm like, you're falling through the sky and you're just like. This is kind of peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> that gunfight's going to be crazy. I mean, that's what these people go through. Yeah. And it's it's a nightmare, you know, and they've all lost somebody. And so I think with our military, I'm pro not having a draft, but I think we need to start treating the people who volunteer with a lot more respect, and they need to get their civil liberties. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and then, of course, internal security and individual rights. Uh, here's something that I like Uh-oh. about them. Uh, no more classified uh, information. No classified information at yeah, all? Yeah, we oppose the government's use of secret classifications to keep from the public information that it should have, especially that which shows that the government has violated the law. Right. And, of course, when it would show that the Saudis caused, uh, caused 9-11 or that— uh, uh, who was the fellow there? We had uh, we had uh, that little situation that happened when the Japanese attacked us at Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mean Franklin Delano Roosevelt? FDR. <laughs> they knew it was happening. They knew it was coming down. But you do wonder. I mean, if if everybody got all the uh, classified information of the nation, 
Would that lead to mass panic? It would lead to bedlam. Right? It I'm would kinda, be absolute bedlam. I don't know. I, think I sort of understand why they need a little bit. Like, you got to you gotta hold your cards a little close to your chest, don't yeah. you? Yeah, you do. I mean, I, I think it would be a really rough few weeks. But it'd shake out, I think. It'd shake out. I think, I think yeah. once everything was all said and done, after all of the personal scores have been settled. Oh, my God. Because once that information comes out, there's going to be a lot of scores to settle. It's going to be pretty intense for a few weeks. But then after that all you know, gets kind of cleaned up, then we'll be fine. I mean, I think that Trump would be the most transparent president in history because he can't keep his damn mouth shut. That is true. It would just be an accident. He's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, I guarantee you, if Trump was president, at one point he would talk about a stool. He'd be like, I had a big one today. Like, no one wants to hear about it. What's wrong with you? With international affairs, it's pretty much no foreign intervention, no military or economic aid. It's defense. Like, it's that defense seems to be based. their big thing is that it's just all of our military engagements are defense-based. That's it. And so it's not isolation, uh, isolationist uh, necessarily. It's just not nation building. And as we've seen, every time we've tried to build a nation, it has completely fallen apart and backfired on us. Believe it or not, they're not grateful when we go in, topple their governments, and try to put in something a little bit more Western. They don't seem to like it. Yeah. Well, I think the reason why they don't like it is because usually most... Uh, uh, how many people have we killed in uh, Iraq trying to build that nation? Not enough. <laughs> no. No, I think we've killed just enough. Yeah, we've killed quite a few trying to build that nation and, you know, wonder why they're not grateful. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, of course, free trade, just let everything happen. Just free trade, political freedom, and escape from tyranny demand that individuals not be unreasonably constrained by government and the crossing of political boundaries. We support the removal of government impediments to free trade. So it seems to me as if they would be pro-TPP, they would be pro-NAFTA. Things like that. Anything that you want, any sort of trading you want to do with another country, you can do. Uh, rights and discrimination. Libertarians embrace the concept that all people are born with certain inherent rights. We reject the idea that a natural right can ever impose an obligation upon others to fulfill that quote-unquote right. We condemn bigotry as irrational and repu repugnant. Government should neither deny nor abridge any individual's human right based on sex, wealth, ethnicity, creed, age, national origin, personal habits, political preference, or sexual orientation. Members of private organizations retain their rights to set whatever standards of association they deem appropriate, and individuals are free to respond with ostracism, boycotts, and other free market solutions. Absolutely. So personal habits, for example, flossing on the subway. <laughs> I will condemn you with with random stares. I will ostracize you, sir. You were ostracized from this L train ride. You flossed on the pub, uh, on the subway, which I have seen once. Mm. <laughs> I did. I saw it one time, and it was a very interesting situation. What do you say? You can't say anything. No. I mean, I guess you could tell them to stop flossing, but then what's it going to do? Nothing. Nothing. They're just going to keep on. They obviously don't care. Yeah, they are, they're obviously in their own little world. And they uh, uh, there's a lot of people like that. Uh, you'll see these posts uh, quite regularly on social media. And I got to say, I'm against them. When someone does something outside of the uh, you know standards, the normal standards that we've set as a, as a uh, society, such as clip their nails or their fingers or apply makeup on the subway, a lot of times people will take a picture of them and anonymously, uh, anonymously post that on social media in a mocking tone. But I think that's actually more rude than the person who was doing something that they deem rude. I did that today, but not in a mocking tone. Like, I was totally fine with the, what they were doing, but these people had taken, I would say, upwards of 200 balloons oh. on, the tra on the train. I just wanted to see what would happen when they tried taking them off. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be all kerfuffle. It was going to be real difficult for them to do. And they all yes. looked like they were dreading that moment. 200 balloons? It was a lot of balloons. It's a bit rude to bring on the subway. It's I have a bit it was a very rude uh it was a, they were having a rude day. I don't think yeah. I don't think they really cared what their day was. I'll show you later. Oh, I can't wait to see it. It's a fun little picture. I also wish they would have gotten on the subway and been like, "Let's pop these balloons." Pop, and pop, then pop, like, pop. "Let's do it." Oh, that'd be so fun. All right, representative government. So this is the libertarians here. We support election systems that are more representative of the electorate at the federal, state, and local levels as private voluntary groups. Uh, political parties should be free to establish their own rules for nomination procedures, primaries, and conventions. We call for an end to any tax finance subsidies to candidates or parties and the repeal of all laws which restrict voluntar voluntary financing 
of election campaigns. We oppose laws that effectively exclude alternative candidates and parties, deny ballot access, gerrymander districts, or deny the voters their right to consider all legitimate options. We advocate initiative, referendum, recall, and repeal when used as as popular checks on government. And obviously that is something that they desperately need to have happen Mm -hmm. in order for people to actually get to know who the Libertarian Party is as an entity because the Libertarian Party gets very little press. In this in this election cycle, they're beginning to get a bit more. And, of course, they had 1.4 million viewers. Johnson & Weld, their last town hall, had 1.4 million viewers, which was the highest of all cable news programs, even beating Fox News. Hey, there you go. And then finally... Uh, self-determination, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of individual liberty, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to agree to such new governance as to them shall seem most likely to protect their liberty. All right, very exciting. And finally, this is my favorite one, 4.0, it's omissions. Uh-huh. What is this one? Our silence about any other particular government law, regulation, ordinance, directive, edict, control, regulatory agency, activity, or machination should not be construed to imply approval. There it is. <laughs> so whatever else you have to think about, whatever. <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> it's all good. So that's a little bit on the libertarian platform. Uh, I think it was informative. I think so. I mean, I think the audience really enjoyed the episode. I think so. You know, our listeners are amazing. I'm going to read some rebuttal uh, people from, um, oh, we'll, we'll read it on the next episode. Uh, some people are not uh, necessarily happy with Gary Johnson, and we can explain why they are not. Uh, because certainly every single presidential candidate running for office has flaws. And, yeah. uh, and there's no denying that, and we can never be ignorant uh, to uh, even if you might support somebody we can never be ignorant uh, to their flaws um, we are just in a nation of 320 million 50 states 51 if you count Puerto Rico I don't even understand why the US uh, the US volleyball team played Puerto Rico I mean they're a territory why aren't they just part of the United States I couldn't tell you in the Olympics I'll ask my girlfriend she is Puerto Rican no okay <laughs> but she knows Spanish oh yeah she's uh, she's Colombia oh she's Colombian uh-huh. oh and Peruvia and Mexica. Oh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. She's got the whole, she's got all three of them. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's yeah. what you want. She's a Colombia, a Peruvian, she grew up in Mexico City. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Yeah, fun places. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Go to the Abe Lincoln's Top Hat Facebook page. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, put up, I mean, it's a very fun time. It's a good, good place. Hot action. Fun, hot times, fun action. Is that what it is? Uh, fun times, hot action? I don't know. But I like fun action. Fun action. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Find Marcus on Twitter at Marcus Parks. Find Marcus on Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Instagram at Ben Kissel One. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. And this would be amazing if you guys went to iTunes and you rated the show and you reviewed it and you said, I think it's okay sometimes. Boom. And there's five star it. That's it. That's all that matters. And then we're so close. We were only about 20 points away from beating Glenn Beck. And when we beat Glenn Beck, we're going to have a big party. I'm going to get pizza. Okay. I'm going to get a bunch of pizza, and we're all come here to the creek in the cave. We just have to beat Glenn Beck on iTunes, and we're going to have a little, we'll have a bash. All right. Let's a bash. A bash. Let's bash it up. we got to beat Glenn Beck. All right. We'll he be- sells terrible jeans. <laughs> Awful person. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.